Hey, I'm Paul Spontia. I'm the CEO of the IT company. All of our videos are really designed for one thing, to help business leaders understand how to align IT with their business strategy so that they can go further faster. Further faster means make more money and have more fun. That's ultimately what we want you to do. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for watching. Hope you enjoy. I'm going to get started. I'm Paul Spontia. We have a few people with us. Um, I'm the CEO of the IT company. Um, we are... Uh, um, an IT, what's called a managed IT services company here in Knoxville. We uh, primarily support businesses um, in the in the local market by uh, becoming their IT department, helping them to take care of uh, IT cybersecurity, and then um, really the the big thing now is the alignment of IT to their business strategy to to allow help companies take advantage of the ability to leverage IT uh, to help them. Uh, grow sales, increase profits, uh, hold down expenses, et cetera. So I'm joined uh, by Andy Huddleston from uh, Wyatt Insurance. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time introducing Andy. I'm going to spend no time actually introducing Andy. I'm going to allow Andy to do that. And then uh, we're really, just before I do the introduction, we're really here to talk about how cyber insurance and IT kind of intersect. They're not necessarily, they are separate things, but they're they really are not one thing that you should have or the other thing you should have. They, they complement each other, super important to have together. I know that's what Andy's gonna spend a lot of time on, but uh, I'm gonna let Andy introduce himself and then jump into the to what he's got to say. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, and thanks for, for asking me to do this with you. We, um, a little bit about me, I've been doing insurance for the better part of a decade. I'm about to, I think, start my 10th year and, um, this cyber insurance uh, thing when I first started was barely talked about and just like a fledgling insurance product. And now we talk about it with every uh, kind of business client that we, we work with. And so a little bit about Wyatt Insurance. We've been in Knoxville for 25 years. We have a Middle Tennessee office as well. We have, um, we're probably 80, 20, 80% work with business clients, 20% work with uh, you know, home and auto, life insurance, personal stuff. Um, and, you know, we'll jump into this. I won't spend too much time on it. Uh, we'll have some questions and answers at the end. And, um, you know, Paul's going to jump in and, and offer his expertise too. I will not. Yeah, go ahead. Two things I thought of um, that we should have said. One is there is a Q&A um, button at the bottom of Zoom. So feel free to throw any questions in there and we'll uh, we'll try to get those answered. Um, either during or after. And the second thing I was going to say is, yeah, I'll, I will definitely jump in and, and kind of pick up on certain things and ask deeper questions and provide any feedback from, from kind of the IT perspective as well. All right. And I, uh, anyone on this, if I don't know you, I am impressed. I told, I told Paul's team that, Hey, if you do an insurance webinar, nobody's going to show up, man. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to talk about insurance and everybody's going to think you're going to get sold something. And so I'm not going to say anything about sales. This is all informational and I hope it helps. Um, so let's just jump into it. First, this is a real email. I got, and I almost didn't even, I almost offered my resignation and told Paul, I can't even, <laughs> can't even do this thing because Miss uh, Annette Rose Hernandez here was going to give me a bunch <laughs> of gold from Africa. And I joke, but the, the reason I put this in here is because somebody's falling for this stuff or they don't yeah. send this stuff. 
you know? And so Paul's got some stats later that the, the phishing emails, the people hoping you click on this little link here, um, they do it all the time because it works. And um, I'm not going to name names of companies, but, but this stuff has happened. The events that we're going to discuss have happened to our clients. We've got a few thousand, couple thousand clients in our area and friends of friends. And this is happening in Knoxville. This is not just like ethereal out there. This could happen to you. This is happening more and more and more and more in Knoxville. So yeah, it's funny. I, I saw something the other day um, that the two, I can't remember if it was the two or the three largest basically cyber crime syndicates in the world have uh, refocused and switched all their efforts from, from typical hacking to phishing and ransomware like it's just it's too easy and it's, it's too, too it's it's too financially lucrative for these uh i say companies they are organizations these these crime organizations to go that route it's mind-boggling here's my uh fancy powerpoint outline here so we're going to talk about uh just a few things so cyber insurance if you're going to choose one of the two, you know, would you choose cyber? Would you have an IT firm like the IT company or both? Uh, and then what type of events can be covered by a cyber insurance policy? What are some claims examples? And then how much does a policy cost? That's generally, uh, we're going to hit the highlights of those things. So what is more important? Would you choose cyber insurance or would you pay an, a third party IT firm? And we're pretty, uh, we, our message is the same here. You need both. And so just in a ransomware example, like Paul just mentioned, if, if the cyber bad guys lock you out and say you need $50,000 or $20,000 to get your information back and get your service back, um, you know, and a cyber insurance policy could pay that, but then the cyber insurance is going to be wanting to work with a third-party outsourced IT firm. So in the event that you ever have a problem, a cyber problem, you really need both. If you just have uh, an IT company or, or similar company, then you've got to pay the $20,000 out of pocket. And so that's why we really believe this is a good partnership. Um, just to, to show you uh, what the process is like on my end, this is just part of a cybersecurity application. And this is, this is the things that this, this is, I got to answer yes or no, if you wanted a, a cyber policy. And this is all of this whole section is basically who are you using for your third party outsourced yeah. IT because yep. they're going to ask things like if you don't have a chief, chief information security officer, well, unless you're a hundred million dollar company, you don't, you know, um, and then they'll things like who's doing your annual testing and who's doing, uh, let's see, what's another one, backup and recovery procedures. Well, if this mm -hmm. isn't your thing, you're not going to be doing it. And so yeah. If you have, if I have to answer no on all these questions, there's a good chance you don't even get an offer for cyber insurance um, or it's going to be a lot more expensive. And so they love seeing, I put yes on all this stuff and write in, hey, they're working with the IT company. Here's their website. Here's their number. Here's all the stuff that they do for them. Yeah, I think a lot of customers um, I've had, you know, we get the, we get these sent to us all the time by customers. And I think about, um, like if you didn't have somebody, how would you know what these things are? Like some of them are right. like intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, data loss prevention, multi-factor for administrative or privileged access. I mean, it's hard to even answer, 
even answer these questions if you don't have a partner or an internal IT right. person or somebody that has the knowledge and skills. And to and to talk about kind of the you know one or the other, I think we say this a lot too. Like just because the IT company carries a tremendous amount of cyber insurance is uh, is actually completely disconnected from your need to have cyber insurance. They're, they're you know the you are going to have to pay the claim first. And if for some reason someone like us is involved, then that's a whole separate ballgame. But uh, but we're really clear with customers that it's a you have to have your own cyber insurance policy. You cannot rely on the fact that we have one because the the breaches are you know well beyond what we would even. Do. As a good example, we talked about I think before you and I we talked about two things: business email compromise, which is where somebody falls for transferring money, and that's outside of the realm of anything that technology can really do. Um, and then if you take somebody clicking on a phishing email and getting ransomware, again, there's no amount of technology that can stop somebody from clicking on a on a link um, with the exception of them no longer having email. That's about it. That's right. And that's not going to happen for a while, you know. No. So, um, so, so now just what type of events? So just like all insurance policies, you get a cyber policy, you get 50 things thrown in. But I'm, I'm talking about the four or five main things, why you would even want cyber insurance. So um, I got all of this from a traveler's document that I can send to Paul and they can send everybody who attended this. Yeah. Travelers is, in my opinion, one of the top two or three um, carriers that offer cyber insurance. Um, they're a little more expensive, because, but that's because they have in-house folks that like if you got cyber you know, ransomed, they send their own people there. They they got the hotline to the FBI. They just they just get very involved to help you. Um, the other companies use third party folks, which is fine. But Travelers is who we kind of feel like. Man, they've got a great product and a great system. So anyway, cyber extortion. So what is this? This is exactly what Paul's talking about. Somebody clicks a phishing email and they lock you out. You can't log in. You can't get to vendor information. You can't sell anything if all your sales are done digitally. You can't find a phone number of somebody in your, you know, customer management software. It you are totally locked out, and it puts people back in the stone age. They're writing up invoices with with a handwritten, you know, uh, credit card, home alone, you know, little thing. It just doesn't put you back. And so, what does insurance do? Insurance pays for the cost to try to get your stuff back and if they can't they pay the ransom which can be tens of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. believe it or not the cyber bad guys but they'll they'll do you a solid most of the time there's a high rate if you pay them they give you your stuff back because they know that's their job security if the word got out that hey never pay them because they won't even give you your stuff back then they would then then no one would ever pay them. So they they do there is this high degree of like civility or whatever. If you pay them, you get your stuff back. But oftentimes, do what they will. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, again, they they are you know they're not good organizations, but they actually are organizations with like customer service. I mean, it's yeah right. It's pretty crazy that that these companies these organizations exist, but they operate that way, and they will they will give you access again. Doesn't mean they won't do something with the data they may have exfiltrated, but they, they right. will give you back your system. So most of these 
pol uh, events that I'm talking, the, the cyber policies we would sell would give you a million dollars worth of coverage. So that's okay. usually way more than you need for an event like a, a ransomware. But 10, 20, 30, 40, 50,000, we've seen all of those kind of amounts just yeah. within our little own network of um, well, events. I, I just looked it up. The average ransom so far this year, the, the amount demanded was $111,605. And that's average. There's a lot of huge companies. So it's going to be, you know, these, one thing to know is that most of these companies have actually done their homework on who you are. There's not, it's not super random what they're doing. They, uh, they know who you are. Once they infect you, uh, they actually typically have you infected for sometimes uh, weeks and days before you even know that something has happened. And, uh, and they research who you are and the size of your organization. So their demands are usually in line with what they think. And they all know you have insurance, by the way. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they, it helps uh, them get paid. It helps them get paid, right? Exactly so, right. They, they know. So, yeah, and, and if there was a specific industry we've seen a pattern, it would be nonprofits and churches, which is mm -hmm. which is weird. They I guess they're kind of cash flush. Um, but, you know, churches generally don't want to pay because they don't know where this money like it, get, it could be used for nefarious um, yeah. it will be used for nefarious yeah. purposes and so if you don't have insurance you got to pay the ransom or you really don't get it back you know yeah. so um, that's that's one of the main that's probably the main uh, way cyber uh, attacks are happening right now um, and insurance would pay for that so data breach is the other significant one if you're, um, somebody gets into your system and they pull personal information from either employees, so we all, usually people forget that, but, but organizations keep lots of employee records. They keep dates of birth, they keep some medical files, they keep social security numbers, addresses, phone numbers. So they will, they will take employee records as well as your client information. So if you're somebody that sells to an individual, not a company, and you've got thousands and thousands of thousands of transactions. Um, maybe you keep credit cards. A lot of people don't do that anymore. They, they do third-party vendors. But all of their personal information is what the, the people will then sell on the dark web kind of thing. Well, so, think, about, think about small businesses, you know, that have, I take mine as an example, but anybody that have partners, there's information on partner distributions, partner records, tax returns. Um, family information. I mean, there's a lot in closely held companies typically hold a lot of 401k plans. I mean, there's a lot of information that somebody could theoretically gain access to um, and leverage that information to cause a lot of harm and pain to somebody. Right. And so not because people want to, but sometimes because they're forced to, they have to file a lawsuit because their their identity was compromised and they may be going bankrupt kind of thing. And so your cyber insurance could pay for um, in the far right column, the, the cost to defend you to hire a legal team and whatever settlement or judgment comes from that. You know, if, if they say, yeah, you were negligent and you owe this person $300,000 insurance is going to be the way, the best way to pay for that. Um, what about credit monitoring? Does the insurance pick up the tab on the credit monitoring? Is that typically on the uh, on the the company that was breached? Well, interesting. You should ask Paul. Oh, Next slide. You know. I, we did not practice this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if it's not this slide, it's coming up. Um, 
and I don't have my screen where I can move them around right now, but uh, yeah, we will, we will get to that. So responsibility of the business owner, this is law. This is legal stuff. This isn't insurance stuff. This is mm -hmm. if, if you, you are responsible. And a lot of people remember that big target breach. We even got a letter saying, Hey, somebody's going to monitor your credit for the, the, the next, I don't know, 18 months or whatever it was. So there are laws and Paul, Paul's got them pulled up in Tennessee that if you're compromised and it comes through your company, you've got to notify them. You've got to send them a, a certified mail. Uh, hey, this happened under our watch and you need to be careful and you've got to pay to, to monitor their credit. Um, yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee has a 45 day um, period of notification that you have to notify somebody of a breach. And they, and they talk a little bit about that. And I'm happy to provide some anybody who needs this information will consolidate all of it um, and get it out to everybody but they talk a lot about in the, in the law itself it discusses the reasons why what categorizes a breach how you have to notify um, and then some of the things that you have to do from a plan perspective and what you have to do to notify people and stuff like that so right so again the marriage between a a third party company and an insurance carrier having your back if this to, to notify everybody by yourself, you'd have to put, you know, people, and that's all they would do, your employees, to send letters out to people. But the insurance company pays for this, these kind of things and helps you do them. And so, again, you'll, we'll see cost of an insurance policy later. But it, if this event ever happened and you had to notify 10,000 people or 5,000 people, you're, you're going to, the, the small cost for insurance is nothing compared to that. Yeah, think so, about you know, just uh, if you had to notify everybody, uh, if you had a half a million consumers in your database and it was breached and you had to notify half a million people via mail, I think a stamp is like 52 cents or something crazy like that. And I can't remember what a stamp costs. That's, that's $250,000, $260,000 right there just to send out letters to people. That's right. That's right. So again, this would have a million dollars of coverage on most cyber policies that we would offer. Um, Next, so cyber insurance will pay for an upgrade. So insurance 101, when you're getting your license, they tell you insurance never makes people better than they were. They just put you back like you were. However, cyber insurance breaks that rule. So if they see that you've got vulnerabilities in your software and they think you potentially are um, a target for another event, they will try to, they will pay money for you to upgrade your software, upgrade your malware to prevent another um, incident. So again, that's money that you'd be having to pay out of pocket that the insurance company will pay. One thing uh, to Neil posted in the Q&A, um, as a clarification, he's, you, every state has different requirements. And so if you're doing business in different states, um, besides Tennessee, obviously you have different requirements. Obviously, if people that you have records on are in different states, you may fall under those requirements. So uh, you have to know your business first and foremost as to where you do business, where your customers are, and then make sure that you understand the requirements of each one of those states. Yeah, again, so the insurance, somebody like Travelers is in every state. So they're already there. You don't have to spend any time, energy, money figuring that out. They, they, they got a whole department that does that, you know, and, and uh, we'll do it for you. So um, next, let's see. So restoration of your data. Um, 
you, they put viruses on your system and you've got to go back and try to recover. Hey, we all, you know, 10 years of sales history and vendor files and uh, customer information that you need to continue operating your business. Uh, again, that would be an extra cost. You'd have to call somebody like an IT company to do that. Insurance is going to pay the bill for that. And um, again, most of these events right now are ransomware, but this, this is done and um, you've got it. You either spend the money or the insurance company does. It's a real simple, you know, like there's no way you got to get that information back. If you choose not to pay the ransom, you have to restore the data because they have, they've now encrypted it. So that's an example just in that, mm -hmm. that you may have, you may have days of work involved in restoring data. That's right. So um, computer fraud. So let me just, let's see. An organized crime ring gains unauthorized access to the insured's accounts payable in their computer system and alters the bank routing information uh, resulting in a million dollar transfer. So again, th these are the types of things that can happen if the phishing email, this is how, how easy it is to get into your system. Doesn't happen a lot. Your bank might stop it and call you, but they may not, you know, if they wire a small amount, $10,000, it, it could go, you know, that's not a small amount, but, you know, compared to the million dollars here, um, the insurance company can reimburse you for the lost money that was sent. I think, Andy, I don't know if you're, if, if you know the answer to this, but on the business email compromise side where somebody was tricked into transferring that money, uh, social engineering fraud. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, hey, that. funny you should ask, Paul. Yes. So these these things, these type of incidents, um, have happened to our clients. I know. So, I know four different clients that have fallen for social engineering fraud for business email compromise. Yes. So, so what you're talking about, the email compromise, uh, is kind of a hybrid of these things. But the social engineering is somebody fakes an invoice like you you're a you're a wholesale distributor and you've got you're buying constant unit cotton material from the same 10 um suppliers and the cyber bad guy sneaks in an, an invoice that looks the exact same mm -hmm. as one of their others and so the accounts payable people just pay i mean it just looks the same and so the way we find out these claims happen is the bank or, or sorry the vendor calls you and says, hey, we, you didn't pay our last invoice from the last month. And you're like, well, our bank shows that we did. Here's the check number. And they're like, oh, you sent it to the wrong, you mm. sent it to the wrong person, you know? And once that money's gone, it's gone. There's no way to try to get it back. So insurance can pay to reimburse you for those funds. When, this is true, true story from our client. He did not have insurance, cyber insurance at the time. Mm. And it was a $250,000 wire gone, you know, just, just gone. One thing, Andy, these are, these are, um, when you buy cyber, these are not necessarily included, right? These are, you have to make sure you add these different riders or whatever they're called on here. You, you can Good get certain. Question. Most of the policies we would offer, you know, do have the, these are the standard, like okay. we, we we're going to make sure all these things are on there. But not everybody's going to do that. You're, That's right. So different. Social engineering with some companies does not come standard okay. and you have to ask for it. Most Got of it. these other things, data breach, ransomware, um, the reimbursing of, of the mail and the 
uh, credit monitoring, those things are usually standard. The funds transfer and social engineering are usually extras. Got it. Okay. Good question. So funds transfer is fraudster obtains the insurance information and uses the information to impersonate uh, you to the bank, to your financial institution, and he, he requests that they send him money. And again, if you've got a good relationship with your banker, they're going to pick up on this. But if you've got three or four people in your organization constantly talking to the bank, this is easy. I mean, somebody gets on the phone and they've got a little bit of information about you and the bank's always sent the money, never been a problem. And boom, money gone. And again, never, you can't get that money back. Yeah, and this is where we tell people, you know, this is a, in a lot of ways, this is an accounting control you know, to make sure that you have the proper controls in place that no one person can request or, right. you know, we have it so that we can't do it via email. It has to be a physical. Right. And, and if there is a request, you call the requester via the phone and say, Hey, I, yeah, I got this email from you. So you just want to make sure you have good controls in place to, nobody wants to do this, right? By the time you've lost the money and all the problems, the insurance is a, is a backstop for if something happens, but you know, on the IT side, on our side, we want to make sure the controls are in place to to prevent this from happening to begin with, so that you 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 literally pay for insurance for almost no reason, you know, for the worst case scenario, really. That's right. And so that Chubb's got these funny Chubb's an insurance company uh, little ads. They stopped doing. They're, they're the most effective marketing thing I've ever seen in ten years, but. They, they're like a car driving around a curb and on the other side of the curb is a big semi coming and you don't, they don't see it. Right. Mm -hmm. And it says who insures you doesn't matter. Dot, dot, dot until it does. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. It, insurance is like the only product ever, both people, the buyer and the seller, I hope you never use it. Yep. You know, so <laughs> that's right. it, it's, it's just, but these things happen. And um, again, in Knoxville, the social engineering thing is happening. Yeah. Oh, Always yeah. being faked. We do, again, if there's a theme, it's in, it's, it's vendor, like uh, the wholesale manufacturer. I didn't use that randomly. That's the theme. It's like, you've got lots mm -hmm. of vendors that you're paying kind of big bills to. Contractors. Uh, big contractors. Time. I mean, contractors are a very, very big target as well as um, the, the, trades associated with them subcontractors uh architects engineers all those categories um that are working and sending invoices back and forth to each other it happens a lot in that in that industry that's right yeah you've got supply house you're a plumber and you you go and pick up sinks and toilets and everything for a whole house and it's twenty thousand dollars and you just keep a running account you know with the supply house and that's that's the kind of invoice people fake yeah so oh, yeah Lastly, this is a part of um, most just regular insurance policies, not cyber, but it would be excluded because it's a cyber coverage business income. Your business gets shut down for a month, two months, three months because of a cyber incident. And the insurance company can, will pay you the lost income for the time that you're not able to work. And that's a really important one to answer your yeah. question, Paul. This, this usually comes standard on a cyber policy. Okay. Um, but this, I mean, this is the difference in going bankrupt and not, you know, you still have fixed costs, you still have your rent, you still have payroll, all of the things that, but you have no revenue coming in. Yeah. And so this, this comes again up to a million dollars um, on most cyber policies. I'm, I'm familiar with an incident I was sharing with Andy 
um, locally where a business that does a lot of work uh, with the federal government was was uh, breached with ransomware. It took them months to figure out um, that they actually had been breached before the ransomware actually took effect, which is something to really know from the, the technical side. Many times you will be infected or, or they will have actually breached your system and they will lay dormant and just monitor what you're doing to gather the info to then begin to leverage you to extort you because they know so much and they have so much data. And that's what happened to this company. And uh, the person was sharing with me that within, I think it was maybe six or nine weeks, they had laid off 65% of their workforce because they just, all of their contracts and work just all just dried up. And I'm assuming they didn't have business interruption insurance because they just, <laughs> You know, they probably would have figured out, you know, how to how to not lay off 65 percent of the people. So. Yeah. And then another thing uh, I didn't put it because it's not one of the main four or five things people think about. But most cyber policies have some sort of they call it different things, but like reputation restoration. They'll, they'll pay in addition to all of these things we've talked about, but some positive advertising so that you don't look, you know, because if you have an yeah. event and, and your customers uh, know that like, man, I don't feel safe doing business with them anymore. You will overnight, like Paul said, you know, you, your customers will flee yeah. and, and getting anybody to come back on board when they don't feel comfortable. So the positive advertising would say, you know, Hey, we did have an event. Here's all the things we've done to fix it. We got the FBI involved. We got all these insurance companies involved. We got IT company involved and that won't happen again. Here's why. And that that's important to, to keep your reputation with your with your client base so yeah. um, that can be covered by cyber insurance as well uh and i think that is i hit the highlights of the five or six yeah so how much does a standard cyber insurance policy cost so um it's hard to say but i'm going to do my best to give you some ballparks so <laughs> it matters how much how a few things it matters your sales and how many transactions you do because the more transactions you do, the more clients you have, and the more, you know, if there was a data breach, the, the number of um, the amount of people that could be exposed is more and more and more. So, mm -hmm. so basically, there's two categories. If you've got 25 million in sales and up, cyber insurance gets pretty expensive. If you are, you know, 5 million in sales and below, 10 million in sales and below, it's pretty inexpensive so we just did a for a law firm a two million dollar law firm uh, that's their gross sales they have 50,000 people that they keep records for over like 50 years and their cyber they got two million dollars of coverage and it was a thousand dollars it's twelve hundred dollars for the year hmm. so very affordable we've got all the way up to like a policy that might cost ten thousand dollars if you have you know, like I said, 50 million in revenue, 100 million in revenue. But for most, you know, family-run businesses, you could get cyber insurance for a thousand or two thousand dollars annually, and you get all the things that we talked about today. So that's that's a pretty good ballpark. Um, travelers, like I said, we think they're they're the best, and theirs are a little bit more expensive. They might be 2,500 dollars, but it's not like 10,000. I would think uh, categories like um, healthcare probably might be a little bit more because they're a right. high target and they have a sensitive information. Uh, I can give us an example. Obviously, we're 
you know, as an IT company, we have loads of risk, you know, because of all that we have access to and all that we do. And we have all kinds of controls and processes in place. And we have a third party audit that comes in, audits our controls and systems all the time. We still pay, I think, for uh, four, a little over $4 million of insurance, million dollars per incident, um, right around $14,000 a year. And that's everything now. That's, yeah, that's and, all that's in, that's and you're in the business. This is what you do. You, you're yeah. most exposed for this. Mostly, yeah. So it is, it is one of these things that every year the insurance companies come talk to us and they're like, hey, we're having more and more and more cyber events every year. The, these policies are going to start getting more expensive. Oh, yeah. But yeah. right now they are definitely on the more affordable, inexpensive side of the scale than a lot of these other uh, yeah. kind of add-on policies. Well, I, I reiterate your point. I mean, you know, you need a policy. Uh, you really should have at least a million dollars. Um, we try to tell people uh, to line up your policy the best you can with your revenue. That may not always be feasible, but um, that's been our experience. Uh, we're not insurance experts, but from our experience, that's what we've we've told people. And uh, and I do believe I don't know how Travelers works. I know with ours, there's a there's an entire risk department that if you have like if you're a manufacturer that's already subject to some ISO certification, those risk departments can actually come and assess your risk and help you. That We've had this done by our insurance company um, to kind of show us the areas they felt like we could shore up some of the gaps, yep. procedures we could put in place. Um, and it helped us actually keep our, and I know it sounds, our insurance sounds really expensive, but it helped us keep our insurance, the lid down on it from it going up a lot because of the industry we're in. Yeah, totally. So, so um, if I could name uh, another name, it's called, there's a, it's called Beasley. Yeah. Beasley's a company um, that is in the, if you just Google around, Beasley's going to be in the top two or three list of names. Travelers is going to be in the top. And, but all of them have some sort of, uh, Hey, we'd like to do a self audit or, can you help us? Do we have any holes that we're not thinking through? Mm -hmm. You know, because again, a lot of these companies don't have a chief information officer. So uh, who need this type of insurance? So they can be your um, back office help, you know, alongside an IT company uh, to really help shore up those things. They're going to know because they've got the data for the aggregated. We're paying all these claims and, and they're all kind of coming in through this way. They can help you shore up, you know, some just simple little procedures, yeah. policies to help well, you. From our side, again, to, to kind of buttress on what Andy's been talking about, like insurance is part of an overall risk strategy, you know, that every business should employ. So, you know, every business has just normal business, you know, whatever insurance they should at least. And, uh, and that's part of a risk strategy. So for us, as an IT company, what we tell, try to tell our customers is this is a component of a risk strategy. So part of that is going to be risk management, incident response, disaster recovery, insurance. Like those are all components of a risk strategy. And, uh, and again, we want this to be the last resort, obviously, but we, you know, the thing about this whole thing that's going on in cyber is it's probably no longer a question of if you're going to hit, it's just a matter of when, and it may be minor or it could be really major. And the combination of the risk components from a technical perspective, so there's there's technical, there's administrative, and then there's third party, which is the insurance side of it. Technical being the technical things you put in place, administrative being the business controls that you put in place. So that's what we talked about where 
if money needs to be transferred, there has to be a phone call confirming with whoever the authorized transfer person, who, who can make a transfer, authorize a transfer. That's an, an example of administrative control that's put in place. So we need all these things in place, and then we need insurance wrapped around all that for when something doesn't go exactly as it should, because people are people, machines are machines, things are going to fail, and, uh, and, and issues will happen. That is, a, There's a thing called a zero-day exploit, which means there's no knowledge of this exploit before. It's a zero-day, and there's no way to, to fully buttress yourself from that happening. So insurance is a critical piece of this. Well, but I'll, I'll echo what you're saying, Paul. If the insurance company believes that, if they think that uh, a company is going to use insurance as just a last resort, but they're doing all the things that you talked about, then they give you kind of the best, best what we would call like best in class, the rate, yeah. right? So if they don't think you're just using insurance, it's just like, ah, it's going to bail me out. If they really think you're proactive, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt and price it to your favor, you know, mm -hmm. to your advantage. Yeah, that's good. Well, good. Uh, we, we've, we only had a few things said. Any other, does anybody have any questions before we, I don't know, Andy, if you have anything else? No, that's it. We can, we can open it up to questions. Okay. Um, what was the, oh, uh, there we was answered, we're answered both of them. Yeah. From Neil. And if there's other questions, let me know. Otherwise what I would say, as you think about any questions, feel free to type them or raise your hand, um, inside of, uh, zoom. We will get, um, Andy will give us a copy of the, uh, of the traveler's uh, document, I think you said, that you mm -hmm. could show us. Um, so Andy will give us a copy of that, and we'll get um, a, a link to the Tennessee Cybersecurity and Data Privacy Law as far as breach notification. So if anybody has to do a breach notification, you've got access to that as well. So I got one, one just, I was gonna see, yeah, hey, it worked. Okay, so, because Neil asked, Travelers calls it public relations, right? So cost for hiring a public relations firm to mitigate negative publicly generated from the incident. No negative publicity. So again, this comes standard on a, a traveler's policy. If you're interested in, in um, getting cyber insurance, that's something you want to make sure. They can call it a number of different things. This is public relations. We've seen it called reputation repair, things like that. But yes, Neil, there is a way to um, to help protect your reputation. Great. Andy, thanks for being a part of this. Um, and uh, thanks for those of you that joined us. Hopefully it was informative. Again, we'll, we'll post the full webinar. We'll, we'll break up some of the components into smaller bits and pieces as well. And we'll get the information uh, that we talked about published as well. Last, last thing I'll say is to just quote one of our customers who did not have cyber when the event happened, he had a ransomware event and um, he would describe it as the worst two weeks of his life. Mm. That's, that's how he says it. He said, he's like, Andy, I couldn't sleep at night. We couldn't pay our people. We couldn't take orders. We couldn't order product. We couldn't sell things. He was like, we were trying to write everything on paper. He's like, it literally put us in the stone age. Mm. And, um, he ultimately, I think they paid it and got, got back and he's hired, you know, he's, he spent a whole bunch of money in IT company uh, type uh, services now, but if it happens, you just can't prepare for it. You know, it's mm -hmm. just like, you just can't, you can't operate. Your people yeah. can't work and it's, uh, that's happening. There's, there's five companies in town that I'm thinking of in the last two years that everybody would know here. They're not all huge, but they're all, 
very reputable. And it's like, man, if it could happen to them, and what and Paul and I were talking before we started, it just happened to the city of Knoxville. And what's yep. their budget for for cyber insurance and cyber, you know, obviously not enough. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> I'm sure they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. You know, it's uh, like, and if it can happen to them, it just can happen yeah. to anybody. So well, I know of a I know of a firm. 140 computers. Most people would know them if, if we said their name, that this happened three years ago. They called us after the fact and we came in and helped them. But every one of those 140 computers had to be re-imaged, had to be completely wiped out and rebuilt from scratch. Um, so you can just imagine they paid the ransom. You know, They were fortunate that they have a lot of cash buffers and they could sustain the business interruption. But uh, it was a very, very painful recovery process not because, you know, just because they, they wanted to actually be sure that every machine was clean. Regardless of the fact that the ransom had been paid and the machine was unlocked, you still have a machine that has been compromised. And that machine needs to be completely wiped out. And you don't know what machines were or weren't, weren't compromised. So every machine theoretically should be re-imaged and restarted. And just imagine if you have 10 computers or, or 1,000 or 100, that's a very big effort. And that happened to a company here in Knoxville. It's just painful, real painful. Well, um, yeah, we'll get you the information. Thank you guys for coming to an insurance webinar. You are you're yeah. good people, good people. <laughs> Thanks again for spending time with us, Andy. We'll catch you later. Thank you. See ya. All right, see you later.